Let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions live from Peekenda, and we are in a tent in a field in Bakewell. And mate, there are people sitting in front of us watching us talk. Why are they here? I don't know. It's it's really scary. It isn't is it? weird, isn't it? It's people standing up at the back. I know, standing room only. So it's not just us, is it, Steve? It's not just us. We've got some uh, esteemed guests with us this afternoon. So uh, we have uh, we have Simon Walton, who's the COO of Formbridge. We have Rob Lovett, who's the head brewer, and we have Simon Webster, who's the CEO of Formbridge. Have I got that right? Yes. Yeah. I read stuff. Got them in the right order as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm impressed with that. Yep. And we're going to give the crowd an opportunity to grill these guys very, very shortly. So they might be sitting comfortably right now, but get your questions ready, folks. Yeah, um, make them tough. Yeah. And just for um, the listeners at home um, who aren't with us today and to prove that there is actually a live audience here, um, and also just to make everybody that chose Cloudwater over us feel like they're really missing out on something from this tent, we're going to ask you to give a really big cheer. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Opinions Live. Yay! Perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My work here is done. <laughs> so, you know, we're here not really to do that much talking, obviously, to be honest. That's the plan. We're just going to um, facilitate, I we're think, is the, uh, the word that people use. Doing, doing the chatting. And, um, well, obviously, we're here for Peak Ender. And I don't personally know too much about the origination, where it started, how it's grown. So I would like to ask one of you two, three, who would like to tell us a little bit about the history of Peak Ender? Thank you. Uh, yeah, Peak Ender started sort of four or five years ago, just with a, an idea of sort of putting on a, a bit of a, a, a festival of beer, as opposed to a beer festival, in, incorporating families and, and that sort of thing. And, and it came out of... Um, seen a, a place called Thornbridge Outdoors which is just across the road from the hall uh, and it was such a, a beautiful setting we thought we could do some little boutique event there and it, it, it worked really well we, we, we did that for a couple of years there um, but it, it got incredibly uh, busy and at times feral so uh, <laughs> we sorry, had fer feral feral <laughs> yes it was a balance we had it was an education uh, area which was uh, used by children just after we'd left so they often found little treats in the woods <laughs> they wouldn't have normally expected. So we looked for a bigger place, and, and there's nowhere bigger than the, than the showground in Bakewell. So we came down here two years ago. Effectively, last year, we, we brought down the smaller event, which we'd done for a couple of years before, to here. This year, we, 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 we pushed on, really. So uh, what you see now is, is the best we've ever been. So, is it, so this is the biggest one yet, then, is what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. We've got, I think we've got about 450 camping spots, as opposed to 250 last year, 120 motorhomes, and a lot of people turning up just for a day pass. So uh, I thank you all for coming, and um, I think we're just going to have to carry on with this. Well, I mean, it's, uh, we've only been here for, what, an hour and a half, Steve, so far, and... The atmosphere is lovely, isn't it? It's, it's, it's really a, it's a friendly, vibe, yeah. laid back, relaxed. Yeah, I mean, you look around and, and even going into the, to the evening, it's a nice, uh, just a nice vibe to the whole sort of thing. My wife spoke to the security guards this morning when we were welcome by the sun. Camping. What about us? Already? Yeah, already. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they said on. they had no problems at all. You know, which is nice because you know we're potentially pouring fifteen thousand pints of beer this weekend, uh, and we know what some of these beers are strong beers as well, and they can turn people at times. <laughs> 
Why are you looking at me? <laughs> You've only been here an hour and a half and you started on Jaipur. Yeah, well, and that's why I'm looking at you. Third point, yeah. <laughs> All three of them are looking at you at that point, aren't <laughs> they? Yeah. So, I mean, so this, do you reckon this will just carry on year on year, will get bigger? I mean, Hopefully. I mean, it can only get as big as the site in some respects. And I suppose what people have always liked about it is the intimacy of it. We get a lot of uh, fellow brewers here, friends and family who have been for, for years. So we'd like to keep that. Uh, and, and, and keep the size of it so that will be a challenge in years to come because again if you look at last year we, we, we suffered with rain last year but we still had a lot of people here this year we've dropped on a um, uh, even though in the hottest summer of the uh, uh, for, for years we've got the coldest night last night um, we, we, we've got it some good weather and I think anybody who's coming this year hopefully will come back next year tell more people so yeah I think it'll grow and I think we'll just continue with it because why wouldn't we I mean I think that's brilliant so for my own benefit, because I'm not familiar with this area at all, how far away are we from the Thornbridge Brewery? Literally sort of, a, what, a 10 minute walk, 15 minute walk into, into there. The brewery's open now, if people want to walk walk across there, Rob's got some of his guys N- in Not there. right now. Yeah. No, <laughs> please, don't, don't all disappear to the brewery. After about an hour and a quarter, if you just want to make your way across. <laughs> okay, so obviously that's a bit about Peak Ender, so thank you very much for that, Simon. We, you know, It's really good to know that, A, it's growing and still growing, but I like the idea that it might be a bit limited just by the size. Yeah, uh, I think things, it has to be. Yeah, because things can just get out of control, well, can't they? It's an experiential sort of thing, isn't it? So I think you've got to, you look across, you look in the room, you look across the field, and there's a, a certain vibe that actually if you get too big, I think you would lose. So um, oh, I think it's wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's, it is. It's, it's, it's that vibe thing, and I think that's yeah. what we said the minute we came in. It's like you, you came in, it's really chilled. There's people just sitting around on hay bales, and yeah. when, when they run out, they go and find another one and sit on a new one. Yeah. Um, or some of them actually destroy the hay bales. We've been about five minutes of turning Yeah, we've been five minutes of being here. Uh, yes, well, well we done, are boy. looking at Thank you, you. aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, and it, it seems really easy to get a drink as well. I don't know if that gets more... Like, like busier as the, as the day yeah, goes I on. Thought, I thought the bar staff were fantastic yesterday. I thought the bar setup's brilliant. We've now got two bars this year, which, which, which has helped us certain times. Tonight will be a challenge because I think there's a lot of day visitors here. Um, but no, I think, I think you know, the guys who've set all the, all, all the stuff up here have done it so well that you're right, it is, it is nice. You know, we've all been to festivals where there's 10 or 11 deep at the bar, and I think they've done really well. Oh, they moved it along quickly this morning, when we? Absolutely, yeah. This morning, yeah. We were m- morning drinking, just to be clear. <laughs> Dry poor again. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, Peak Ender wouldn't exist without it being backed by Thornbridge. So, which one of you three would like to give us a little bit of more background for everyone who's either here or listening on the show? A, b- a bit of history, a potted history of Thornbridge. Is it you again? <laughs> I, can do that if you I like, like the way they just <laughs> pointed at you straight away, Simon. It's an odd thing in in some respects. Is when y- you trust my word that this won't get any uh, bigger. But about 10 years ago, I thought we were probably going to be about as big as we were at the brewery, and we've carried on sort of brewing and brewing and brewing. So who knows? But yes, I mean, you know, we started back in 2005, brewing out of Thorbridge Hall, which again, in an hour and a quarter, you're more than welcome to visit because it's open. Um, And we we brewed, we we brewed very well there until 2009. We continue to brew there, um, but we moved down to Bakewell in 2009, and that, that site has served us fantastically well. We've grown and grown and grown. Um, the market's opened up. Everybody's seen that. Um, tasty beer has become something that people are demanding more and more. And fortunately, you know, Rob and his guys are making what we believe are some of the best beers, certainly in the in this country. And and, and we have acknowledgement from elsewhere that in the world, actually, you know, some of these beers are are, are generally sort of seen as quality beers. So we we, we carried on growing. The market moved, um, and we've added more and more people. 
uh, grown with pubs and bars um, and you know we continue to do what a lot of other brewers uh, are doing and, and, and growing into this market and giving people interesting tasty beer and pubs and bars when are we planning on Essex <laughs> no vested just interest just get straight to it mate <laughs> yeah yeah I just want to know I'll, I will definitely put that on the list thank you yeah, yeah. how big's the list not very big no, that's fine then <laughs> so you might be alright we've got Birmingham and York this year so you could be Essex next year <laughs> <laughs> oh Okay, I'll be Simon over there to the left of us. <laughs> right. From, the, mid, from the Great and Birmingham uh, crowd. <laughs> yeah. Midlands Massive are in the house. So, we have the people from Formbridge. Who would like to ask a question either about Pickender or Formbridge at this stage? James, would you like would you like the mic or do you want to shout? There's a chap in between me and you now, <laughs> with his head in his hands, Please. whispering it may be September. Yes, probably mid-September. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. so, so, so for those not on the mic, <laughs> that was mid-September for, for, for the cans of Jaipur, which essentially wipes out the... Um, entire last segment of the show that we were going to do. <laughs> yeah. To, 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 yeah. To, so thanks for that, James. Really appreciate it. Man. <laughs> thank, thank, thank you very much. James, is just thought, how can I get 15 minutes off this to go to the yeah. brewery? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how can I get out quickly? Yeah. So any other questions from people who don't want to knock out half the show? We've got one over here. I'm going to pass you yeah. the mic because you're used to talking to a mic. Hi, I'm Adam. Hi. This might be for Rob, actually. Um, we've noticed a couple of new beers in your range, one being a gluten-free beer and one being a very low-alcohol beer. I just want to know what kind of the decision process is in that. Is that something that's come from you or from the company as a whole? Are you trying to diversify? And kind of just quite interested that they've come out quite, quite recently, both of them. Yeah, I think um, we're often brewer-led, really, but uh, on this occasion it was uh, the marketing sales team knew that these beers were successful for other breweries and they presented us with uh, a brief of, of making such beers and... Uh, I mean, alcohol-free beer is not something that I've really considered before, and I mean, so uh, yeah, it was a bit <laughs> of a challenge, Likewise. it was a bit of a shock, but uh, the, the brewing team as a whole really um, relished relished uh, the the idea, and um, I, I often have uh, periods where I don't drink at all, so in some ways I was thinking, well, yeah, that might be quite good actually for a beer that I could pick up at home and still feel like I'm having a beer, so uh, um, we... we what we did is we set out to um, look what was on the market and really do our research as we always do because that's something that I think Thornbridge we make sure that we're not we are a production brewery but we are also we've got a little bit of fat in the system so that we're we can do research and we can and the team and I we always want to make the best we always want to make the best in class so uh, that's what we, we, we did as always with the um, alcohol free and we tasted so the likes of Bex Blue, um, you know the the uh, Hefeweizens, the Franciscana one, um, then the Brewdog Nanny State, which we know was a massive seller for Brewdog. So that's one, of, like I say, that's one of the reasons the marketing team approached us um, because they knew that it was successful. And to be honest, we didn't really like any of them, uh, and we didn't have the. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. get get off the fence, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I don't beat around the bush, you know me. Um, so, 
the the Beck's blue, the Beck's blue, and that that kind of beer. What they do is they make a normal beer and then they dealkalize it, so they remove the alcohol. But that bit of kit, I think, what was it? We looked into it. It's about yeah, quarter to half a million quid. So that was sort of we yeah. couldn't really justify that. <laughs> uh, so we had to start with very low original gravity, and um, we, we went for Munich, 100% Munich malt, just about, uh, which is a real bodybuilder of a malt. We threw away. Um, most of the runnings so that we had a really good layout of bed and we dry hopped it uh, quite significantly but we kept the bitterness low and we, we just were quite surprised that we thought it was going to take multiple multiple attempts to get it right but it was kind of like the second batch and it was right we were, and people who were in the in the in the in the business uh, who wouldn't lie to me have said that this that's the best alcohol free beer they've ever tasted so that was um, quite an accolade really for us and uh, the gluten-free one was pretty simple. I think uh, on the market there is more people that don't want to drink beers with um, gluten in them. And it was, that was easy because modern malt now contains such low levels of gluten and you just add an enzyme and it knocks out the, uh, the, the gluten completely. So uh, that, w that was an easy one. But it was, market it, was, it was driven by the marketing sales team saying it was a beer that they knew would be successful. And as a team, we, we relished the challenge and we came up with, uh, came up with the goods, I think. Rob, Rob, can I just jump in there? Uh, yeah. So, so uh, are beers that have things removed, are, are they harder to, to brew? Is it, is it more work for you guys? No, the gluten-free is really easy. I didn't realise it was, it was that easy. That, um, and I didn't realise that modern malts were, uh, were gluten-free because all the gluten-free beers I tasted uh, when we were looking at developing them when I was at, uh, at Mean Time were... Uh, it just tasted horrible. They were just made of maize and millet, and I thought, why would anyone want to drink beer like this when you could have wine or cider? You know, and, and similarly, um, I think when you look at gluten-free, I don't know if anyone's ever tried gluten-free pasta or gluten-free pizza. It's just horrible. Uh, you could, you know, but uh, no, th th we can brew it with our normal malt, just with an addition of a an enzyme, which uh, just belt and braces approach breaks down the gluten. So it's great for people and. I, and also, I didn't realise that um, it, it's a big market in in Spain, gluten-free, because a lot of Spanish people apparently are, are intolerant of gluten. So, um, any more questions from anyone? Has anyone tried the uh, Big Easy, by the way? And what do you, what do you, what do you think of it? Yeah, anyone else? Because, I, I mean, I thought it was excellent. So, I think you've done a, a, a good job there, I have to admit. It's Thank it you. does taste like beer still. I mean, which is the most important thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, which is a big thing. <laughs> for I, beer, yeah. I like every now and again just having a, a beer without it, just that first quenching a aspect of having a beer, and sometimes I just don't need the alcohol bit. I um, on on Tuesday, um, a guy who was here uh, this weekend, Garrett Oliver from Brooklyn Brewery, who who's, who's been in the beer industry for thirty years. Have you heard of him? Once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he, fl he flew into Manchester on Tuesday and, and, and came straight over to the brewery and, he, and uh, he came and sat by my desk and uh, I said, we were talking about uh, a Big Easy and I said to him, have, have you tried it? And he said, well, I don't really care for uh, low alcohol beers, no alcohol beers, I'm, I'm not bothered, so I'll get you a bottle. And I poured him a bottle and he, and he said, his first words were, that's the best low alcohol beer I've ever tasted. So I quickly wrote down the quote and thought, we'll, we'll keep that. <laughs> yeah. Did you get him to sign it and then laminate I, it I'm afterwards? I'm really good at forging signatures. Brilliant. Be because yeah. there, there, there have been some issues with Garrett Oliver quotes in the past. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we had uh, another question over there. I will come over with, with the mic for you. Thank you. Uh, my name's Richard. 
Could you explain the difference between craft and draft beers and what your thoughts are going between the two? <laughs> between craft and draft? Or <laughs> well, hand-pulled beer. Hand and yeah, a yeah. real ale and, and craft. No, I can't, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe someone Best got the C-bomb so early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th I think Rob's going to have a go at answering this. Buckle up. <laughs> I'm assuming when you say draft, you mean sort of hand-pulled beers. Well, uh, it's part of our heritage, isn't it? Hand, hand pulled beers, and Camera did, you know, hell of a lot of work and uh, of get, of getting that recognised, and and you know, back in the day with what was it, Watney's Red Barrel, and all and all that. They, so we we kind of had our craft movement before um, the what the modern craft movement, I suppose, has come along. And I always think the modern craft movement is just people trying to emulate what happened in America because America didn't really have a history of beer as where we did. Um, so I, I, I think they're both craft, and I think that um, I wish two things. I, th I, I wish people would be willing to pay more money for for um, cast beer, and I wish that uh, other breweries would in England would remember their heritage, and they would and they would still try and make the best craft um, sort of um, draft craft beer that they could because. It, like I say, it's part of our heritage. It's unique to Britain, and uh, and you cannot beat a, a really good pint of of hand pulled bitter. And, and I'm proud that we still do it probably twenty to thirty percent of our uh, 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 of what we make is still cast beer. I, th I think that works as an absolute perfect segue um, in, into the main part of the show that we're going to be talking about today, which is, for, for those people that listen to us, you know that we do a, do a poll, we ask Twitter some questions, and, and this is where we get our name from, this is where we get the opinions name from. So Not always the easiest thing to say either. It's, it's not, not after three pints of Jaipur either, I'm doing quite well right now. Um, so we're going to go into to, to the question. Opinions, 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 opinions. And that was, um, was the creation of Jaipur the defining moment of craft beer in the UK? Um, so that was the poll that we put out last week. Um, we, had, we had quite a few votes on this one, so 362 votes. Um, disappointingly, only 43% of people went for yes. I was quite surprised about that, despite the amount of times I, I voted on di different Twitter <laughs> accounts. <laughs> So it was, it was still quite close, but it was for, for us. It was it, it was a case of um, obviously trying to do something that was going to engage the audience today. We're we're here at the Thornbridge Festival. We want to talk about what is your flagship beer, uh, and we want to make sure that's the focus of, of, of the discussion today. So um, we had a few responses from Twitter. We're going to go through some of those, and obviously we're going to give you guys uh, an opportunity to get involved here as well. So so, so first up, we had a we had a simple yes um, from Mark Johnson. Um, who is <laughs> sat over hiding in the corner and um, I love it when Mark is really succinct uh, ab about the things <laughs> that, he, that he puts out. There's, there's uh, no in-between, is there? It's no, like no, one it's word or yes. an essay. Yes, it, it absolutely is the defining moment. <laughs> um, we then had quite a lengthy response and you, you might have to, to hang on for this one. So this is from Miles Lambert and, and again, those of you that are listeners of the show will know that Miles is like now number one fan and we'll always respond to our polls with two, three, four, maybe sometimes five tweets, <laughs> which makes it really difficult for us to, to put them into one. But he was saying that the key thing here is context. Uh, Jaipur arrived when beers of that ilk simply weren't readily available. And for all the advances in technology and techniques, it's still one of the best beers of its type available. Amazing, really. Also, you can't overlook the other beers it spawned. There's a certain Scottish brewery whose biggest selling beer and the foundation of its entire empire is built was developed from the knowledge <laughs> 
uh, of how Jaipur was made. <laughs> almost <laughs> kept a straight face all the way through there, Steve. Almost. I think it was when the word Scottish Brewery <laughs> came up that, that I started losing that one. Um, we've then got... Uh, uh, the next point is from someone that's in the audience, actually, and we're, we're, we're going to go to them right now. So this is from a, a, another of our uh, podcasting colleagues in the audience. We've got Beers Without Frontiers that, that are in the audience, and Martin's just taking the mic over. So... Um, what was the comment that you had, guys, on this one? Uh, the comment that I put was that uh, Jaipur is a damn good beer, but the defining moment, like it or not, was Punk IPA. Because I think without Brewdog, the current UK beer scene would be sort of maybe a few years behind where it currently is. Controversial, maybe, but... Panel, discuss. I mean, I would, I would generally argue there's not a defining moment. Um, because I think all these things evolve over time, and I think the idea that Jaipur was that defining moment probably plays a little bit of disrespect to some of the beers that were there before. I think the thing when we first brewed Jaipur, it was it was it was the third beer we brewed. It was um, t- two guys who'd been drinking American style beers um, who brewed an American style IPA in cask. It was five point nine percent. Nobody ever discussed ABV on beer before Jaipur came along. People drank pints of beer. That everything was 3.5 to 4.3. That was it. And and the, the big thing that Jaipur was then and continues to be is had this fantastic balance and drinkability. So people still thought they were drinking 4.3 percent beers. And three or four beers in, they realised <laughs> they weren't. Now, now you tell me. <laughs> so I, you know. For me, seeing the poll was, was great. I voted yes, by the way. Uh, <laughs> was, um, I, I thought it was fantastic because for me, I look at that and say 43% of people, nearly half of the people in the thing, think Jaipur was a defining craft beer. Um, there will always be a punk, there'll be a, uh, a, any of Roosters, some of the dark star beers back in the day. And, you know, you know, we, w- one, one brewery very often forgot, I'm Kellam Island. You know, we used an American hops for, for a long time, sort of thing, bef- before us. So I, I, I think part of the defining moment was we found Jaipur a massive crossover beer. Um, you know, women, children, men <laughs> loved, uh, just seemed to be attracted to, to the beer. And, um, you know, there's, there's a gentleman poking his head around the corner there now, Mr. Adrian Tierney Jones, who was an <laughs> early advocate, <laughs> who, whose talk has finished now. So <laughs> uh, and, and Jaipur. Um, a, a good friend of uh, Adrian's was a guy called Pete Brown, who was the chairman of the Beer Writers Guild now and, and uh, a fairly prolific beer writer. I remember Pete uh, coming to the hall just within months of us brewing Jaipur, and, and he'd, he'd, he'd been to America, tasted these sort of beers, and he sort of said, how do you know about these beers? How can you make them? And, and he described, whether this was a defining moment or not, he described the first time he tasted Jaipur he said, I felt as though I'd been drinking beer in black and white all my life until I drank that, and all of a sudden yeah, yeah. it was in colour. So okay, that's ruined it for the rest of us now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pete. <laughs> so we have uh, some, some more uh, comments from Twitter. So from Ian Sutton, uh, Ian Sutton 12. Maybe it deserves a yes or no answer. Jaipur, yes, because it could be the first beer drinkers went out their way to find. No, because uh, Sean Franklin brewed the superb Yankee 10 years before using US hops and pale ale style, which you mentioned, uh, to pave the way for others. I think interesting. Rob will probably tell you a couple of things about Sean, because Rob knew Sean very well. Uh, the way he discussed, uh, yeah. described hops, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, roosters, uh, I mean, I knew sh- I mean, when I started brewing, when I was, well, commercially, when I uh, about 20, 21, I think, 
um, Sean was uh, always in the background and he'd visit visit Meantime Brewery and um, we knew he was kind of uh, one of the forefathers of bringing American hops to the UK and he, you know and he always picked up in the, the Beer World Cup which is uh, you know to win medals at the Beer World Cup means that you know what you're doing and um, Sean always picked up gold and silver for his summer ales um, which were predominantly American hops so uh yeah, I think everyone's learnt from Sean and uh, and Roosters is still going to this day and, and making some great beers. Yeah, Sean always had a good way of describing things, you know, when you uh, and, uh, and you'd always remember it as well. Like he used to talk about flavour hooks. He would talk about hops being um, a bit like music. Some hops need to be played like classical music. Some mu- some hops are a bit like heavy metal, um, and it's how you use them. And I think that just shows his understanding of um, of hops as well. I think. In this country um, and in America, a lot of people just throw as much citrum as they can, and it's quite a skill to actually really to work hops and to get that flavour hook and that blend. And Sean was really a master of that. Also, a master of using the words, similar to uh, getting people used to using wine terminology when they're talking about beer as well. Yeah, and yeah. And not being afraid to. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, he, he did have a background in wine as well, so yeah, he was like his palate was it was was immense, and uh, I think he's been really, uh, you know. Uh, he's influenced a lot of people in the in the UK um, craft brewing industry. Thank you very much for that insight, Rob, as well to Sean. Um, so, so some further comments from Mosaic Mike at Mike's Tap Room. Uh, for me personally, yes, I've enjoyed some good cask IPAs like Marston's Old Empire and Springhead's Roaring Meg. But the first time I had this, as in Jaipur, I redefined everything I thought. I don't know if that's just life in general. <laughs> uh, not only IPAs, but cask beers too. The scene has changed so much since, but I will always look back as Jaipur, at Jaipur as the spark for me, in brackets, and still really awesome. Which, which I think we're not going to disagree with being on our, our third pint. Third, third pint. Uh, I, think, I think spark is probably a, a, um, a better word than defining in, 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 in that respect. And I think, you know, when you think back to, to 2005, you know, the, the biggest selling beer in the country was an IPA, but it was 3.5% Green King. You know, that... People didn't even know that. Can we IPA get security again, please? There's <laughs> yeah. a, there's a word drinking. there. Yeah, but, but you know, IPA. W- people, most of the people drinking that beer didn't realise it meant India Pale Ale. You know, it was just purely uh, something. So I think the spark certainly Jaipur was a spark to that. Defining, who knows? No, he's saying our wording was wrong as well. Uh, well, well, we'll see because one of one of he's the mentioned th- Green King <laughs> and done the wording what, what one of the next comments actually lends itself really nicely to that which is from um clayfish who says many craft beer geeks were born when that heavenly liquid crossed their lips and woke their taste buds for the first time yeah i think a lot of people were born and i think a lot of people had a really bad next day as well i think that was yeah and, uh, for the purposes of disclosure that was me as well i can even tell you the date i had I think, I think simon's actually got <laughs> well yeah i mean one of the main reasons i wanted to come and work for Thornbridge was Jaipur and, and I remember the first like a lot of people on the Twitter poll I, I looked at the uh, the comments back and there is that moment with it M- my first ever three five pints however many it was was at the Cricket Inn which is a, is a pub near me which is owned by uh, a sister company of Thornbridge and they taken it over I went there for a meal on the opening night walked to the bar and went oh that looks interesting I'll try that this was a person who used to drink Stella and all those sort of drinks Stella's fine. Stella's abs- well, it was when it was 5.2, and it's not quite the same. <laughs> but, um, pint of Jaipur, table service, three pints of Jaipur in. Felt great. This is, this is amazing beer. 
got up to walk to the toilet <laughs> and my head was working, my legs had gone. But it, it had, there was just something about it. And I, w I was, from that moment, I was a Thornbridge fan. And, you know, many years later, fortunately, I, you know, I'm, I'm working for the business. But, I mean, I do believe, and when you read the comments from people, it did have that impact because it just, there was nothing else there. For most people who, you know, who drank cask beer or even lagers, it was five nine. You know, it's just like what? What is this? It's incredible. I mean, I completely agree with that. I mean, the um, for people who don't know, I, I run a beer tasting club at work, and uh, we we kicked off in March 2011, and we got uh, Jeff Evans from Camera, who does a lot of beer writing and books and stuff, and he came in to host it. So I, w I wanted someone who knew what they're on about to start off with. Anyway, other than you, I didn't, <laughs> and still don't know <laughs> shit. Um, but basically, he came in and had a selection of six beers, and the last beer we had that evening was Jaipur. And, and that's when uh, Clayton, who, did, who you shared the last comment from, that was his first, bit, first time with Jaipur as well. And we were both exactly the same at that time. I was like, wow, how, how was this possible? Um, and this is what you've got now. I'm, I'm up here because of Jaipur. So blame them. <laughs> Sorry, it's their fault. So, so, so for you, let's let, let's get our views on this then. So, so, so for you, Jaipur was Personally, a, a yes. defining moment. Yes, I did vote, and the answer was yes. For me, it definitely a defining moment because I was unaware that we had that kind of US influenced beers available on cask in the UK. Definitely. What about you? I, I, th I think for me, it was maybe came after that because I really didn't know a lot about beer I, th I think we can probably all say that when we started off we didn't really know history of beers and that sort of thing and you, you would find yourselves in pubs and then you'd happen across something i think for me there were that there were probably a, a couple um it it goes without saying that ghost ship was a, an absolute moment for me when i first tried that um a few years back um there was things like um, when Sainsbury's used to do the Great British Beer Hunt where you'd, you'd suddenly have this great selection of beers available in Sainsbury's and not only was there something like 20-odd beers ava available, but you could get four for six quid. So it was, it was like, you know, fill your boots on, on, but on they that. But didn't they didn't have an even number of beers to do that either. No, you, could, you could never get them all. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, it's, um, th there have been moments uh, along the way for me, but, yeah, that... I suppose the first Jaipur I had was I, I, I went back on Untapped, and I'm sure there's a few people in the audience that that, that use that damn device. Um, and my my first my first beer was in my first Jaipur was 17th of August 2012, and obviously we all know that anything pre-Untapped never existed; it didn't happen. <laughs> and and if you didn't get a photo of it, it definitely didn't happen. So that that was my and there was a photo on on my first check-in of Jaipur. It's uh, a photo back in 2012. There must have been badges available at, oh, okay. at, at that point. It's, it's, it's fair, you know, fair point then. Yeah, yeah. See, it's quite interesting because again. It's very easy to forget. You know, we're sitting at, we're sitting in a field in the, in the middle of the countryside. We've got 125 different beers to choose from. Some fantastic beers from breweries, most of them from Britain, but around the world. It wasn't always like this. In 2005, that the beer scene was was a little bit barren. That that the choice that you have now just never existed. So what happened when Jaipur came out? was after a while pe uh, pubs were actually stocking it and people would phone up the pub have you got Jaipur on and they say no say oh phone me when you have it that would never happen now uh, and, and when we had uh, Oz Clark who's um, uh, 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 the guy who uh, talks about wine on, on TV his, his local pub was White Horsey in Parsons Green and that was he would only go in when they had Jaipur on 
So it was a very different landscape back then. Yeah. Oh, just to be clear, he doesn't always go in there when just when Jai pours on because we were over there doing something a year and a half ago. We saw Oz Clark there. 2005, he only went and in when yeah. Jai Paul was there. <laughs> okay, because Jai Paul wasn't on that night because I would have had it. And, and, and folk will know over the last week that I'd, I've suddenly rediscovered that series where, 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 where James and Oz went all around the UK and have been re-watching it back. And I, I can't believe that that was 10 years ago yeah. na- now that, that yeah. they were at Thornbridge Hall and they yeah. were chanting. And yeah, they got some of the brewers' names wrong, uh, yeah, apparently, no, in, yeah. in, in, in that, it would appear. But it's, it's a great watch. Um, go back and find it. We're, we're campaigning to do the BBC Free iPlayer version of the uh, episode, series four, aren't we? Only when Thornbridge let us drive their camper van all, all around the country. <laughs> oh, I like the idea of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've done that. So, so obviously we've heard we've, we've heard thoughts on Jaipur from our Twitter audience. We've heard we've heard our thoughts, and it would appear that there are a, a number of histories out there in terms of the defining craft beer and which was the first and who created the recipe. So we'd like to get the real version of the story from the guys that are actually sat here um, with us this afternoon. So Rob, um, tell us about the history of Jaipur. Well, Jaipur (laughs) obviously already existed when I arrived at the brewery in 2010 and I was very mindful of the fact that I didn't want to play around, mess around, change things too much because it was such a classic beer already. Um, we did make a few changes um, and it kind of got picked up quite quickly and we and they were only subtle changes and then I saw we brought things back again um, so the original Jaipur was uh, almost exactly the same as Jaipur as it is today uh, the initial yeast was uh, Ward yeast which uh, when I came to the brewery, it wasn't really too sulfury, didn't always perform uh, f- first generation. Uh, and then we we went over to uh, a an, an, uh, Calale yeast, which is um, the same yeast that Sierra Nevada use. And we use that for the cask and we use that for the bottle version. And I don't think we, you'd only done one bottling when I think of Jaipur when I arrived. So we needed, my idea was to use the same yeast for both versions. But I quickly realized that actually and it we're talking literally months that the that yeast wouldn't work uh for bottle keg and cask so we needed um and it was complete pain in the backside but we needed to use two different yeast strains we needed to use two different mash strains um sorry mash temperatures and um we went back to a yorkshire strain as well for the cask ale and we stuck with the cal ale for the for the bottled beer uh, and a lower mash uh, and a lower um, mash temp as well for the cask because the problem is with Jaipur if it was the same that went into cask as it went into bottle warm warmish flat uh, beer with too much body just tastes too flabby in the mouth it needs to be dry and the Yorkshire strain really suits the cask beer and it gives you that um, I would say it goes from two dimensional to three dimensional using a, 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 a traditional cast strain that's always been used for cast beer um, it's a bit of a challenge because 5.9 a lot of these cast strains have evolved to ferment beers of a, a, of a lower ABV uh, and, the ca- and the yeast management is difficult there's a hell of a lot of hops in Jaipur uh, so you've got the classic uh, American old school hops um, you know Cascade, Chinook Centennial, the Simcoe there's Amarillo. Atanum is quite uh, unique to that beer as well. Um, and the good thing about that is is, is that y- 
we, 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 we've got a bit of clout with sourcing hops, so not compared to some of the American breweries, but it means that we do get good hops. But if, if one particular hop's not performing quite as well as it should be that year, that it kind of comes out in the wash because the, the other hops pick it up, so you're not dependent on, on one particular hop. Um, and, and I think what's really m enables us to make the best, certainly some of the best beers in Britain, is the water um, because we're in the Peak District and we're in the countryside? Our water is absolutely beautiful, and uh, it really it really helps with making dry pour. And um, I think when you look at a lot of these breweries, you know now they're the ones that are buying out other people. They're trying to brew the same beer all over the world, and they usually use reverse osmosis and add back salts. It, I think what's really good is that we can use our, our local water, which gives us something very very special. And um, yeah, Jaipur's just, um, it's, it's, it's hardly changed from the original recipe, really. Do you think a lot of uh, breweries, when they do, you're saying about the buyouts and stuff, actually, that's the one thing they neglect is the water? Yeah, I think water can be overlooked. Um, and there's the, the <laughs> it, it's so, I mean, in lagers, you need soft water. Um, but it's, I always say, you know, if you can drink it, if you, the first thing I do when I go when I go to a new brewery is is taste the water. Is I have a glass of water in the morning, um, and I think then you get an indication whether you've got good water. If if it's nice water to drink, um, just that, but then, but then if you're going to have to brew with that water, it's obviously going to be reflected in the beer. So the water can be overlooked. Yeah. Top tip there, folks. If you're going on a brewery tour, first thing you do is get a glass of water yeah. um, to to give you a baseline. I, I was really interested there because I, I had no idea that you'd use different yeast strains for the different variants of, uh, of the beer. So I suppose going back to uh, an earlier question about the impending canned release, yeah. what, what yeast strain are you going for for, for the cans? Well, the can will be the original Cal the, the sort of the Cal Ale that we've always used. So that's just the Sierra Nevada strain which suits uh, that kind of beer that's going to be carbonated. And uh, it allows uh, it's, it's sort of a blank slate that allows the hops to shine through. As where the cast beer, the more the yeast is more prominent. Okay, so that's that's a really fascinating history of uh, of Jaipur there. Do we have any questions from the audience in terms of, of of the beer that certainly everyone got put in their hands when they walked into the tent today? Um, any any questions about Jaipur? Just going back to the water for spirit production, minerality throws flavors off. Does that happen with the beer as well? And do you have to check that when you? drinking the local water does it affect things yeah i mean they say they, they say that um you need more minerality for uh pale ales uh lagers need a softer water with less hardness uh, yeah I, I i there's a lot of rubbish talked about water as well like you can get into too much detail but that, the, the, like i say the the kind of the rub is that the water you you need to, the water needs to taste good if it it did start with if it, it that that's the main thing I look for really yeah so we've talked about Jaipur we've talked about Peak Ender talked about the history of Thornbridge what's the next stage what's the future over to you Simon the future wow um, other than just cans I can't even think past today to be honest it's, it's very it's very interesting because with this industry. It's weird. I've worked in many different industries. I'm an accountant by trade, but it's the one that you seem to be under public scrutiny and everyone's got a view on what you should do and how you should do it. And I'm not going to mention names, but there's a lot of other breweries in the press recently where there may have been acquisitions and investments and is it good, is it not good? Do the, does the customer approve of it or not? And, that, and that's for the customer to decide. Um, 
at the end of the day, it's a growing industry. It's a growing segment of the industry. We're wanting to keep growing. I think every brewery out there, or nearly every brewery out there, wants to take advantage of it, wants to get their beer into people's hands, mouths. You know, and, and we, we, we did a visioning maybe three years ago, and we said, well, actually, what, 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 is, the, what is the goal? And one of the things we came up with was, <laughs> and Jaipur was, was, the, was the example, it's our biggest selling beer, as people know, was to give everyone who wants a bottle, a pint of Jaipur, the opportunity to have it. And so, you know, to do that, you go to the supermarkets. It's a, it's a very big part of our business. I mean, Tesco, for example, we didn't supply them before April of last year. They're, they're now our biggest customer, you know, and, and you know, it, we've got a good relationship with them. And we need to keep growing the business, because otherwise, if you don't, there's a lot of people coming along. But at the end of the day, it's always been about... And I know Rob, when I first joined, was worried that I would make him cut costs and change recipes and things. And it was never going to be the case because it's about the, the quality of the product. So in all the growth phases that the business has been through, it's never been about changing the product. We are brewer-led. I mean, there are times when the market suggests you need to do certain things. But actually, in terms of beer development, the, the, the brewers determine it. And it will always be about the best quality. So we're not going to think, oh, well, there's a there's a bit of business there we can get, but what we need to do is cut the hops down by 20% or do this and that. No, we, we, we don't operate that way, but we have to um, be more cost efficient. We have to look at um, you know, how, how, we can, how we can get out to the market. And two years ago, we, we put a new bottling line in and there may well be questions coming about bottles versus can, but it was always driven by Rob saying, well, at the moment, for the quality of the beer, it has to be in bottle you know, low dissolved oxygen, it's, it's about the quality of the beer, shelf life, etc. So, um, we, you know, we, we took that decision, we, we invested in the most expensive bottling line we could, we, we could get our hands on and, and you know, working with, with the best people to make sure we could produce the best beer in the best condition and get it to people. And we'll always do that. And, you know, so the, the, the thing, beca because it's a manufacturing business, very capital intensive you know so when you look at people making the next jump up you know some people make decisions on how they package or how they produce or whether they have to um, get someone else to brew for them because it's very expensive to do it um, we've, we've, we've been fortunate we've been able to you know have those investments um, you know both from uh, internally and bank funding and we've gone down that route and, and I think I think that the future is just continuing to grow the business and continuing to give people what they want um, you know we, we've got room on the site uh, to expand you know we, we'll get other units available but it is you know anyone that's been around a brewery anyone that knows breweries knows that you need a hell of a lot of tanks they take up a lot of space you need expensive packaging uh, equipment bottling lines canning lines whatever and it's th th the biggest challenge I suppose is you know is, is the funding because you need to spend the money before you get the uh, the, the revenue coming back in and you know I think I think anyone that does criticize breweries for where they get their investment from probably just needs to look at the business side a little bit and actually say look it's it's hard work it's very difficult to do it's not like a people business where you can recruit ten people if it doesn't work you get rid of five you've got to spend one two three million pounds to take a bit of a gamble on actually um, that coming so it, it I know it's a very long way of answering the question, but it is, it, it's, it's about 
taking the opportunities. You know, Simon and Jim started the business 13 years ago. We've, we, we've got great brewers, we've got great beers, and we really need to just keep, keep going. But with, with, with quality, top of the list, always. It's, it's interesting what you're saying about space at the brewery as well, because I know when I visited last year, when you know that moment where you poured me that pint of cask Jaipur at the, uh, at the brewery, which is pretty much the best pint you're ever going to get. I can't say what of, I want to say because it's kids. <laughs> of that beer. But when, when, when we were showing around just a year ago, you, you still had quite a lot of open space then because you knew, you knew there was growth in, in, in the business. Is, is that still open space now or is that now all taken up? We're going to be putting some new tanks in shortly. Um, in, the, in the next few months because we, we, we on, on our existing brew house we, we can brew more times, we can brew more days um, th there is a balance between you know, not wanting to go to certainly don't want to go to 24 hour brewing because it's not the culture of the business that we want to have um, but we can do more on the existing brew kit with more tanks you know, Ro Rob is challenged at times because he, he, he's got more slots in his brew plan, but he hasn't got the tanks. And because, you know, Lucas, which I know some people are drinking now, is, is, is six-week in tank. So, you know, you can have a cask beer that's one week, keg jaipur will be three weeks, and something like Lucas. But we won't compromise from a brewing perspective. But it does, you know, Rob has a lot of headaches in terms of his brew plan because he's brewing, I don't know how many different beers in a six-month period, but it's, it's a phenomenal amount. And when you look at the board over there, I think we've got 34 of our own beers on today this weekend but that's probably half of what he'll do in a whole year because obviously we need to have fresh mm. beer for, for an event like this so yeah it's it's a challenge yeah i mean going back to your list i have to admit i was expecting obviously a, a lot of formbridge beers i didn't think there'd be 34 different beers on that must be a challenge it is a challenge and it's one that we, we we've always had the easiest thing uh, to be for us would be a Jaipur factory, which sounds fantastic. Fine, actually. <laughs> but Rob and his team might lose a little bit of sort of will. Uh, but but we do make things difficult for ourselves. We do challenge. We've always had a thing. I say challenge the consumer with the taste and the flavour. But we do challenge ourselves at times. But it is what we do, and it is, you know, we, we're not here just to just to take the easy route of doing that. We we, we do constantly stretch ourselves, uh, and, and people within the business help us do that. So, you know, it is easier with less beers, but it's not quite as exciting. So, um, anyone from the audience have any questions about where Thornbridge are going next? No, it's just, it was just really interesting what Simon just said. And we were also listening to the Northern Monk and the Magic Rock um, talks yesterday. And it's about the what people are willing to pay for cask. So, it's almost that whole thing of, is that your biggest challenge, is getting people to want to pay more than £3 a pint for yeah. good product. Because you know, our local microbrewery, they, they struggle with, if they put in anything above £3 yeah. a pint, they struggle with that. So. Well, as, as Rob said earlier, we do between 25 and 30% is cask beer. We're very proud of it. We're very, these guys, I can, I can say because I don't brew, but these guys are very good at it and we want to continue that and we believe in it. But it's a massive challenge. And when we, when we look at our product split between uh, bottle, uh, cask and, and keg, it's the least profitable uh, and, and, and it is it's quite sad isn't it really that people you know does it come from the consumer does it come from uh, you know the the, the the on trade it's very difficult to know but you know we, we've we've been fortunate we we don't have to drop our prices as much as some people do but we're up against those people and pub managers 
cha big, you know, big national chains, you know, they've, they've got margins to hit. And obviously, if you're buying a cask very cheap, then you're going to make more money. Um, so yeah, we, we would love to see the value in cask beer being what it should be. And I think you know the guys over here who've drunk cask chai before you, you know, you guys. It's 5.9%, and yet people complain, you know, if it's if it's getting towards you know 350, 380 a pint. If you knew how much duty was in that, you know, compared to a 4% beer, but people don't seem prepared. So we just sort of say to the consumer, just you know, don't put pressure on people to, you know, to charge an unrealistic price, um, because. A lot of breweries have, have, have dropped out of Caspian. It's, it, it's a shame. We won't do that, but it, but it's hard. It's hard. Just before I pass it over, I'm glad to hear that you won't drop out of Caspian. Hello, um, I'm Heather. Um, I was going to ask kind of more of a general question about um, the UK craft beer. Um, how do you think? That's probably a dreaded question, but how do you think Brexit's going to probably affect that? I mean, I'm more worried about my losing my favourite Belgian beers, <coughs> but how is it going to affect the actual UK craft beer? I think no one's got any <laughs> idea about Brexit <laughs> and what it's going to do to anything. Is uh, I mean we export to 38. We export to 38 countries, um, so it, it is it is something we think about. But I, at the moment, I've got no idea because I don't know what anyone's doing. Is is the honest? You know, I mean, we, we have seen some challenges. Um, Paul over there from uh, Den Bosch is sort of uh, <laughs> nodding sagely, but um, it, it's it, it's going to cause issues. It will do. I mean. Can't when it comes to purchasing uh, equipment and capex, but other than that, we don't know. We don't know how it's going to pan out. I mean, I suppose, you know, the um, tariffs and f freedom of movement of product will, will, will be an issue, and if it becomes very difficult to... I mean, we, we you know, we, we import uh, a lot of our hops, uh, some of our malts. We do, a we, uh, you know, a lot of it. We tr obviously try and keep it in the UK just because... We paid more for the packaging line because when we actually closed the deal, Sterling had, uh, you know, had lost value because of Brexit. Yeah, yeah it cost us uh, an extra hundred grand just because of that, uh, and and that was just a purely ex you know ex exchange rate thing. So um, w I, th I think all we can do is just be re reactive. I don't think we can be proactive. I'm not sure what we can do to 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 protect ourselves against things. We just have to. You know, suck it up, I suppose, yeah. and hope that the politicians don't cock it up. I mean, there is an element of second guessing. I mean, certainly the, where, where I work, we have regular meetings about it, but no one actually knows how it's going to impact at all in any walk of life. Yeah. We got one more question, I think. Over to was the it, was it, wasn't this the person we said we wouldn't give a mic to? Oh yeah, sorry, oh, yeah. I'm walking away again. <laughs> Over to the bearded one. Um. <laughs> My question is, um, there's a lot more vegan beers of yours coming out lately. Is that a, a shift that you're actually thinking about doing into cans maybe or um, like keg beer or, or is it something that you, you're kind of going to stick with at the minute with having a separation between certain type of beer styles and non-vegan beers? Well, I think with vegan uh, cask beer, we can't make cask... F uh, vegan free cask beer because uh, the finings that we use come from sturgeon's stomach and uh, it is separated out it's you know um, you're not actually drinking it because it drops to the bottom um, and it is a byproduct of uh, but we've tried we've tried different findings that are vegan friendly and the beer is just not as bright so it's a no-go at the moment 
Um, bottled beer and the keg beer is vegan friendly because we don't use, we don't necessarily use finings for that. So, well, we can, we would, but um, if it if it affects the quality of the beer, then I'm afraid we can't. Yeah. Okay, so thanks for that. We're now going to move on to probably just open things up a little bit and just let you ge- ask any general questions. We, we do have a few questions that we're going to ask from Twitter just to get us going. First of all, we've actually got one of those questions uh, are in the room right now. So, so James, we're coming to you, mate, for um, your, your, your questions. It's James at Gammon Baron, who's um, a regular contributor to the show. Uh, James, what's your question? Uh, what uh, Thornbridge beer goes best with uh, Bakewell tart? <laughs> or pudding? Pudding, exactly. I would say tart with pudding. Yeah, it's a bakel pudding. Any anybody who has an idea that it's called bakel tart, you just usually Mr. Kipling. If you're in this town, it's called bakel pudding. They're for sale there from the original shop. I don't know. I think a cup of tea goes far better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do like that answer. A cup of tea goes with nearly anything. Um, next up, so just just a couple from Twitter. So um, we've got Paul at UNRCD who again. Pretty much has his own segment on the show, on the his show own, at the he's moment. He has his own theme tune. He, he does indeed. So um, we've already spoke about uh, Thornbridge beers going into cans. Um, I've certainly visited the brewery and been told it will never Shh. happen. Sorry, I wasn't. I wasn't going there, but uh, I'm, I'm going. I've, I've certainly been told uh, it wasn't going to happen, and and there's been lots of um, online posts about. Thornbridge aren't ever going to embrace cans, and then all of a sudden we saw these beautiful pictures all over Twitter a few weeks back. So, what was the um, what was the no, not hello again. We're we're in the middle of what we're doing here. Um, so, so probably obviously the the, the the obvious question is, what what was the change? Where where was the shift in? We're never doing cans to we're going to do cans. The only shift was the word never because we never said never. So if you look, I mean, back in 2014, the main thing that people talk about. Rob did a blog. I'll pass over to him. But we said we won't do <laughs> we won't do cans until we can afford to buy th- the right sort of piece of kit that could actually. Pr- we're about protecting beer. We have to protect beer. You know, beer, beer, beer very quickly can can oxidise, can die, can whatever. So we have to protect beer. We're now in a position where we might be able to afford to buy a canning line that protects beer as as good as uh, the bottling line. And it's as simple as that. We said, we won't until we do. And um, we're going to do. Have you got a T-shirt coming out saying protect beer? Yes. I'll buy one. Yes. <laughs> Rob, Rob, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been ribbed a little bit by <laughs> I, uh, John from Fuller's, Eddie Gad, a few other people about this whole can. Of, you know, that blog I put out, you know, it, did, it was just really putting the cat amongst the pigeons, really. Because I, I just... It just annoys me and that cans are just so fashionable and a bit of a fad, really. Um, but what, 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 what difference does the vessel make, really, in, in why you're drinking it? But, but, and when we looked at canning at the time, um, you know, those sort of linear cans, the oxygen levels were just horrific. Uh, but that seemed to be the fad that people wanted to drink beer in cans. Why would you want to do that when you could drink it in bottle? with lower oxygen and a better product, it kind of bemused me a little bit, but I suppose that's just fashion. Um, so that's why we stuck with bottle, and um, cans haven't gone away. Whether they'll stay, I don't know, but um, you know that's, that's, that's just how fashions work. Things don't always stay in fashion, so for us not to go into can is just a bit of a daft idea, um, particularly when we've looked at the technology and we can produce beer with, with, with good oxygens 
um, if it, it, you know, now, um, my main concern was that I wasn't going to go into a rubbish linear canner and produce beer with high oxygens, which was what everyone else was doing. So that's why I said what I said at the time. But now we're, we're at the point where we can buy a, a canner with um, that will produce beer of really good quality, and it will, and it'll give us the flexibility because we can then do bottle and we can do can at the same time. And and I, I think there's probably not a, a single person in in this room that would. Is is not excited to to see the Thornbridge cans ca coming out mid September. <laughs> Happy to do an exclusive review of all the cans <laughs> more than once. Okay, so one last question from Twitter before we take it to the audience is um, this is from Mr. Ian B. Um, can you ask when we will get more barrel aged sours, please, and a serpent replacement? Uh, well, Garrett's here at the moment. We might talk. We've, we've loosely talked about uh, another collaboration. Um, and barrel aged sours, yeah, we're still making the barrel aged sours, they're still out there, so uh, we're not sure if we're going to do different sort of iterations, um, but at the moment we're just sticking to the to the main, to the, the two. Oh, yeah, well, we've got um, the, the new beer that we've got coming out now, it's not a sour beer, it's um, so Parabola uh, that I tasted uh, last year at this festival uh, from. Um, Parabola, I can't, I don't know how you pronounce it, but um, from um, Firestone Walker was just a, f a fantastic beer, and so we thought that we needed to do a bourbon aged, a bourbon barrel aged big beer, and uh, there's, there's not the bourbon version is here, but we've got the versions prior to the bourbon barrels is on at the festival this weekend, but we think that's going to be a really successful beer for us. When's the bourbon version now? Uh, well, it's in tank at the moment. Okay. We're going to package it shortly, and it's it's coming in. At, I think, yeah, thirteen and a half to fourteen percent. In cans, blimey! <laughs> okay, so let's let, let's open this one up to the audience. So it's it, it's your last opportunity. This is literally um, I, I don't want to. It's your last chance to ask any questions. Uh, I'm hesitant to use the phrase "no holds barred," but guys, just and and Carl is losing himself over there. Um, let's give that man a microphone because I think he's got about twelve questions that he wants to ask. At, We're going at to this Greater point. Birmingham yeah, again. Just take take the microphone off after the first question, Rob. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> What's your DO levels um, per cans, like in cans, like new range of cans? Well, we're not. We're bottles. not. Hang, hang on, Cole. Can you just <laughs> yeah. describe what what you mean by that question? Basically, uh, oxygen intake in the actual cans, like from the tank. Well, we're not. We're not canning yet, but um, no. But the, well, we would be looking at probably less than fifty. Hopefully, with the pickup, yeah. I think. Yeah. That's. Uh, Is that less than what you're getting in the can, uh, the bottles at the minute? Uh, so the bo bottle at the moment, we're probably looking at 25, 50 pickup, okay. I think. Um, so, yeah, that sort of range would be fine for us. And KHS are, are probably the forerunners at the moment. Yeah. But we're going to look at the, the line as well, I think, that uh, Camden have got and for Pure and Beavertown. It would be stupid not to. At least we can use that as a... So you're yeah. trying to reduce the amount of oxygen pickup that's actually in the tank then rather... Oh no! We will always be low in tank. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's something that we really, we you know, that we we we're, we're really keen on. But it's the, it's the pickup actually during the, the process. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> right, another question coming up. But that was a very technical, Carl, and I understood none of it. But thank you very much. Thank you. Hi. Um, so we were sort of reminiscing about how the hell we got here 
I think, when we were talking about different breweries with different inspirations. So obviously we mentioned Jaipur as being inspirational for a number of people. Um, obviously Punk IPA for some people. In the mid-2000s I was in Manchester, so for me it was marble. But it kind of made me reminisce a little bit about musical bands. So in terms of you'd have regional bands that then inspired maybe other artists. So recently I was watching a uh, hip-hop film about Roxanne Shante. So she took kind of rap for female MCs from the streets and took it to the stage, which then inspired people like Salt and Pepper, who then took it to the arenas and sort of on and on. And it just kind of really reminded me us talking about breweries and beers in that way. So um, I'd kind of like to know if Thornbridge Brewery was a band, what would it be? <laughs> and if Jaipur was a song, what would it be? I'm sure there's at least one other podcast out there right now that are wishing they had that question. And the but audience. we're taking it. Hold on. I honestly, I honestly can't remember. Jai Ho, obviously, yeah, that would be the thing. You know, so it's, it's, it's an interesting question because again, we've seen we've seen a lot of this over the years, and and I go back to when Pete Brown's often spoken about sort of uh, 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 music and, and beer at times, and how and how you drink beer, listen to certain music affects you sort of flow. So, but I do think but he'll laugh at me on this, but I do think beer and music are uh, entrenched, and I think it's, it's it's something that people can identify and think, oh, it's like that. So, so it, it takes you back to that. I'm never going to answer this question, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Well, you can so each have a different answer yeah. if you've got a different musical taste, you know. It, it, is, it is interesting on the bands, because again, which was maybe three or four years ago, I forget now, when we were in the BBC um, um, uh, Best Drinks Producer competition, Pete referred to it being, it was, it was us versus Brewdog versus an English Champagne, and it was very much sort of uh, Blur versus Oasis, Beatles versus The Stones sort of stuff, which was great, great to hear. I'd have preferred to be Oasis than Blur, personally, but... Um, and um, the, the music analogy always always comes through, and I think it is very interesting. And I'm going to have to think about that. And I'm here. This is not the last question you can ask. I'm here until tomorrow. Uh, so it's, it's the I'm last gonna, question on this recording you can ask. Yeah. I'm going to come back to that because I don't want to say Spice Girls <laughs> or anything like that. Stone Roses. Oh, that was straight to the point. Okay, so I think we're going to start wrapping things up a little bit here. Um, if, if there are questions you've got, obviously these guys are going to be around all afternoon. You can, you, you can chat to them there. They're, they're, they're going to be wandering around, have a chat to them. So if you want to get involved, use the hashtag OpinionsLive. Um, tell us what you thought of, uh, of this show. Get involved in the conversation and we'll continue to get involved. Um, I really want to thank Simon, Rob and Simon. And I'd, I'd like the entire thousands of people in the tent right now to, to, to give them a, a great big round of applause for, for sitting up here and taking those questions. Um, I'd, I'd also like to just, just thank a few other people and thanks to those people that we kind of lined up. We knew we, we, that they asked questions on Twitter and we wanted them to, to get involved today. So thanks for taking the microphone and, and being part of the live recording. Thank you also to, to, to our family who have sat through this uh, as well. Uh, unfortunately, my two slept for, for, for most of it, which probably says quite a lot about my parenting. Um, but all, your, all your dulcet tones. Yeah, Just yeah. send them off to sleep. One, one of two. But, and, and, and thanks of all um, to, to, to Thornbridge for actually asking us to come and do this thing live because 
we sometimes wonder if anybody actually listens to, to, to what we do and then suddenly we've got a, a room full of people sat there sat there watching us so, so thank you very much for getting involved thanks for coming along this afternoon and and, and really in, enjoy the, the rest of your peak ender we'll we'll be back I in September with, with, with some more content and um, probably just if I had a glass of Jaipur to, to raise to <laughs> you all right now I'd be saying cheers and and thank you very much for your time thank you everyone thank you thank you guys yeah.